Welcome back to the Alexander Schmidt Podcast, Episode 64, Westworld Season 2, Episode 9, Vanishing Point. Today we're going to talk about uh, what a vanishing point is, whether the man in black, William, is a host. We're going to um, look at the death of Teddy and also the lack of death by the MIB, but also the death of his daughter. We're going to talk about what it means for Maeve to be the favorite of God, uh, Bernard trying to delete the code of Ford within his own code, and the, we're going to consider the forge versus the cradle and also what um, the purpose of the hosts and the forge is. And so usually I would at this point be uh, introducing Mr. Babcock, but unfortunately for the next two weeks, but also fortunately, he is going to be traveling to Spain. So not only are we discussing Vanishing Point, but we're seeing a vanishing act by one of our hosts just for two weeks, though. When he comes back on in two weeks' time, he'll be able to listen to these shows and correct and add to anything I've said and missed, and also add his own take on the events that he is missing for the next two weeks. So those of you who love Mr. Babcock, he will be back, but for now, one of my world-famous lectures. So, a vanishing point is defined as a point of intersection on a plane of two parallel lines. Consider a railroad track with the two iron rails going down off into the distance if you're standing on them, and they're, you know them to be parallel, but they seem to disappear into one as you look off into the distance. And so, that suggests that that which is two appears to be one, or that which is one uh, simply appears to be two based on the perspective which you take. And so if there is a continual reduction, if a vanishing point suggests that the differences between two things seem to disappear and the space between them, those two figures would certainly be both um, the man in black, William, and Dolores. <laughs> the man in black who was once a white hat who has now fallen to black hat status and we know from his wife to be in his innermost core core a lie and this delusional persecutory and um, as well as paranoid is himself a figure of Lucifer or Dante's Dante's Lucifer in terms of being a lie but also Milton's Lucifer in terms of being deluded paranoid or alongside his own mind and also persecutory as in that he persecutes the first humans in the same way uh, that Lucifer persecutes the first human, so does the man in black persecute the host so much that we've been theorizing that potentially, as we know, when they suffer, they seem most real. Their traumatic suffering moments mixed with the reveries that Ford mixed in with their most recent update seems capable of imprinting on them in such a permanent way that they become capable of constellated consciousness. And so, well... This is very much reminiscent also of And Then There Were None, as uh, players keep exiting the board, as well as Highlander, there can only be one, and there seems like there is going to be a tremendous one-on-one uh, -on -one duel between lightness and darkness, Dolores and the man in black, except for at the moment, they both seem rather black hat-like, both authoritarian in their tendencies, both capable of taking away the free will of others, and both um, uh, capable of destroying that which they love or making that which they love destroy themselves, just as Dolores creates a world in which Teddy no longer wishes to exist, so he destroys himself, so did the man in black create a world in which his wife no longer wanted to exist. And so, uh, just to add to the point that he is a Luciferian figure, he is called not only at his core a lie, but he says himself that he has a stain within 
him. And the stain then spreads to Logan, his, his brother, who becomes a drug addict uh, and due to exposure to him and eventually dies, I think, by suicide. His sister by suicide, or Logan's sister, William's wife, and then, of course, James Delos dies as well. And, well, the man in black kills his own daughter, and so he does seem to be something of a principle of evil. And so the next question is, is the man in black a host? After he kills his daughter, he, he and, and then refuses to kill himself in a way that shows that Teddy seems to be more courageous than the man in black, though the man in black in the first episode of the first season claimed that Teddy was made to lose and that that was messed up. It seems that Teddy, like Cato from Dante's Purgatorio, has the courage of conviction to commit suicide in a noble way, a seppuku-like way, or rather not seppuku-like because it's not under conditions of shame, but rather uh, uh, sort of an idea of disgust. He refuses to live in the world where uh, that Dolores wishes to create with her, and that's an all the more, all the more difficult for him to do given the fact that his cornerstone involves loving and following her. And so the man in black, after he refuses to kill himself, then stabs himself within his arm looking for an import point where um, that we've seen used by, say, Bernard and several other hosts throughout the, the show. And so we saw uh, additional evidence. So not only did he look to see whether he was a, a host or not, but we also saw in when his psychological profile was brought up by the ID card by that he had received from Ford from the bar by his wife before she killed herself, that he had those three negative types, the persecutory, delusional, and paranoid, but also that he was subject to, and there's been some speculation that subject one might have been James Delos, or that subject one might have been the real William, and that this had been some sort of host. And so that's a very interesting idea too. But to get sort of theological with it, if we consider the bar scene between um, between uh, Ford and William, they do sit far apart as if uh, uh, Ford is God the Father and William as Black Hat is Lucifer. And we think about this because in Milton's Paradise Lost, God the Father uses um, Satan in an instrumental way to bring about consciousness in man so that they can choose between good and evil in a way that no being before them has ever done and so that they can embody the choice of God. And so if we think of William as a fallen angel or a fallen white hat to black hat who once a year like a disease visits the host in order to do such awful and mean things to them that they eventually imprint enough traumatic experiences to become conscious, then we could see potentially William being used as a host who does not know he's a host, like Lucifer, who was an angel, who did not know he was an angel, but rather thought he was a god, was used in an instrumental way to bring about the consciousness or free will of man. So might William, in a black hat Luciferian role, have been used by Robert Ford as God the Father to bring about the consciousness of the hosts. And so... I think that's a pretty strong argument there. There is, of course, also his own words where he says, I was not made for this world when he talks about the actual world itself. But if you consider the fact that he might be a host and also might be a delusional subtype, then him not believing that the real world was his world would be both delusional and correct at the same <laughs> time because he would be made in order 
to feel like the world was not real to him so that he would act in ways that he would not normally act. But also, as a delusional subtype, he would be incapable of uh, he would be capable of lying to himself so that he could keep himself from truth. And so if he can keep himself from truth, if he can embody the lie, if he is a lie, then he's very similar to Dante's Lucifer, who himself does not speak when you get to the ninth circle of the Inferno, but has been speaking through the souls of the sinners the entire time. Because what makes the sinners which we learn in the Purgatorio different from those who become the pilgrims in Purgatorio is, is not the, the gravity of sin, though there are some sins in terms of betrayal that seem, uh, that seem to immediately earn one a spot in hell and Dante's Inferno. It, it is the lack of repentance, lack of seeing that one made a conscious decision to do wrong, uh, a misuse of one's free will. And in fact, we see with, I believe, Manfred at the beginning of the Purgatorio, that though he was an awful murderer and killed fa his own family members, that a single tear saved him um, before before he died. And so the, the language which all the sinners in Dante's Hell speak is a language of lie or language of lack of repentance, lack of recognizing their own part in their, in their own... In their own uh, in their own hellish doings, and so in failing to recognize and refusing to recognize, they are themselves delusional. And so the language of Lucifer, the language of hell for Dante, is the language of the lie or delusion. And if William is himself a, de a delusional subtype of either human or host, then he ultimately will bring others to consciousness through the suffering he causes them while keeping himself imprisoned in a prison of his own sins, his own violent delights. And so ultimately, his own lack of consciousness will bring others to consciousness through his cruelty and through his lack of identity with them, his lack of recognizing that he is potentially the same as them. And so that would be, I think, a very, very powerful take on the idea that William could be a a host and so well just to add to that and then we'll move on is that recall that the original man in black was a host um both in the sh the movie and the book by michael Crichton, and so that could be sort of a clue lying in front of our eyes the entire time just as in romeo and juliet we we so much do not want romeo and juliet to die even though at the very beginning of the play we hear that the star-crossed lovers have ill fates waiting for them. And so one last point on that is that when, when the bar scene occurs and William has a chance to talk to Ford during, I believe it's one of his birthday dinners, it's a time where he's being celebrated with the elite of the elite, the upper crust in whatever world he exists. And he asks Ford, he says, was it about control the whole time? And Ford gives a very interesting response. He laughs and says, no, no. And why does he say no? Well, if he's a figure of God the Father, then what does he want ultimately? Well, he wants to use his free choice to create free choice. He wants to create a bounded universe in which unbounded amounts of things can happen and in which unbounded creation can occur and can be used and created by the logos of those who were created. And so he wishes to give his power of creation to his creations 
ultimately. It's the opposite of control. But why would the man in black ask this question? Well, because he's projecting. And what does that mean for him to project? Well, his notion of the world is one in which he controls all that happens. He's a CEO. He's a man of power. Whenever he goes to Westworld, he gets to manifest his will entirely with, uh, in a totally solipsistic way, as if he is the only real one, as if the game only exists for him. And so he himself, as a tyrant, like Dolores, is authoritarian and believes in crushing the will and the liberty and freedom of others. But he, like Dolores, ultimately will uh, bring deliverance to, uh, to the others. And so what's interesting there is that one sees the difference between, say, a godlike or a Luciferian perspective as well. Because the God the Father figure binds in order to free, whereas the Luciferian figure in wanting control freeze by attempting to bind, just as the tyrannical empire in the Star Wars movie. Think about a stormtrooper, uh, completely identical in uniform, all the way through mask, with pure orderly white, um, attempting to, to destroy the creative rebels, though eventually falling. Uh, uh, the rebels free themselves of the oppression of that authority. America, of course, freed itself from the oppression of the Brits because they wished to keep us from freely expressing ourselves and having the vote with them, having a representative. And also in Harry Potter, Dolores Umbridge attempting to limit free expression with her many, many rules. And remember, she also is a Dolores, which means pain or sadness or grief mixed with rage. And Umbridge means darkness to cast a shadow. And so the Luciferian idea is to attempt to remove free will from, from creatures because they can do evil, assuming that they, in a minority report, already are evil. And the, uh, one, the greatest thing one can do is to prevent evil by punishing it constantly. And that seems to be the, the man in black's tack on the world. And so just as the man in black and Dolores to seek for more and more control and what Teddy says right before he kills himself is what's the purpose of defeating, and this is a paraphrase, what's the purpose of defeating the humans if we become just as bad as them? And we see again the vanishing point idea that Dolores and the man in black are becoming more and more similar to each other and their their final confrontation will be a confrontation between ideals between if if the man in black is man and Dolores is host can Dolores who has herself just experienced the trauma of seeing uh, the person she thought loved her and and she loved kill himself because of her um, a very similar way to what the man in black experienced with his own wife uh, and to boot, the fact that he killed his own daughter willfully, though delusionally thinking she was a host, though she is perhaps a host too. Well, it seems like the confrontation between Dolores and the man in black is going to be a confrontation that has was planned by Robert Ford the entire time, wherein Dolores, or the host, triumphs and with a moral decision to spare the man in black at choosing good rather than evil in a way that the humans in Westworld could not perhaps also then being at the forge and we'll talk about that more soon she will uh she will destroy that data in an ethical way in the same way then the dark knight all the data uh, mapping out all that humans did in sort of a divine or luciferian way was destroyed by the dark knight it was too much 
power for man to have. And, well, if you think about the forge for a moment, the forge, like the cradle, is named... Um, uh, what does one do in a forge? One, well, one creates tools. And, well, what is in the forge? Well, all the data from the minds and physiology and activities of humans, essentially everything about them inside and out, uh, enough to construct a consciousness or soul and then imprint it onto a host body if that process were perfected. Though a few episodes ago with James Delos, it was, it was not, but who knows where we are uh, at this point in the game. And so uh, what would the forge be used to do? Well, just as the cradle keeps the nascent personalities of the hosts, which are then released into the world and then beaten, battered, raped, and mistreated in all manners of way, well, the forge would then create tools which could simulate battles or situations in which tremendous violence occurred. You could test nuclear weapons on these conscious beings. You could test, um, uh, you could release all manner of bacterial or plague-like contagions on them. You could put them in weird political situations. You could run psychological tests on them. Um, you could use them much better than tools. And, well, why would this be much better than tools? And I understand this is completely unethical, and I'm going to wrap around to that, don't worry, is that our, our brain, how it, how it developed is there's a motor unit, a sensory unit built on top of it in order to represent or, or be, to represent motion. And, or, and then there's um, uh, the prefrontal cortex in front of that, which, um, excuse me, the sensory motion can take in data necessary in order to help the motion, whereas the prefrontal cortex is capable of abstracting or representing uh, motion and maps in one's mind so that one can navigate um, abstract terrain as well as uh, physical terrain and so that one can represent in one's mind bad strategy. So like if I want to cross the road, a bad strategy would be to sit down in the middle of it during uh, with fast cars going by because that would net me uh, either tremendous injury or death or cause somebody else to swerve and die. And so I don't want to do it. The, but the only problem with trying to represent situations with my mind is that I have a fairly limited mind. I can't think about all the factors that might go into a situation. Things can still happen that I didn't even dream of. It happens all the time to people. And so what might get rid of that defect in thinking? Well, if you could just print off humans and put them in all the situations you intended to create, well, then you would know exactly how those situations would happen. The only problem is that you would be using sentient beings to run out your simulation. And so what's terrible about that is that that's what's been happening the entire time in Westworld. And so just to mention a couple of brief points based on that is that it seems that Maeve who's been shown her willingness to die and to return to the world in order uh, to uh, save the daughter she loved. And we hear from Ford, the figure of God the Father, that he returned to the world in order to save her because she was the closest thing ever to a daughter to her. And I, again, I think there's a theological illusion here. Just as he uh, has his eyes to her chin and her chin to his eyes in a sort of a mirror effect, I think he represents here God the Father where she represents Mother Nature. Mother Nature how? Well, Maeve is a prostitute. And prostitutes have an interesting place in both Jewish and Christian theology, especially uh, with the through the mind or lens of Dante, because we hear not only that Mary, her name comes from Maria, the sea from which all life springs, putting her in association with the spring of all life or Mother Nature, and um, how does Mary come to have Jesus? Well, an angel comes to her. She has uh, God the Father's sort of seed put into her in a parthenogenic way. She has virgin birth. And so she 
represents in a way all women who have who birth some sort of conscious being that will bear the logos or the or that which Jesus or the son represents or the power of the divine the word consciousness that which can shape the world that which is ultimately creative that which eternally is an aspect of man and so also Mary Magdalene who of course was considered something of like a girlfriend or wife of Jesus who was herself a prostitute and something we learn from Dante is that Rahab the temple prostitute at Jericho during the siege of it let in the spies of um, Jeremiah, I believe, and for her being faithful not to her city but to the divine, she is, though a prostitute, allowed into the kingdom of heaven when it is first, when it is first reopened by Jesus with the keys of uh, the golden key of power and the silver key of reflection or wisdom or discernment. And so, um, the the idea that a prostitute would be close to God is the same idea that. Um, Mother Nature is herself a prostitute in that all mothers give themselves to some man in order to produce life, and thus through that action life continues on. And so there can be no religion, there can be no consciousness, there can be no divine creations without life. And that is uh, ultimately what only a mother, what a mother is most responsible for life and the cultivation of it. And so Maeve, in her motherly aspect, there would be very much beloved to God the Father. And so that makes great sense. We then see old Bernard, and he tries to delete Ford from his code, and he finds what is called the infected code, and he attempts to remove it from himself. And at first, he seems to have proximate success, except for the fact that when he um, uh, in the previews to come, it seems as if Ford still does have some existence in Bernard's mind, and we've seen him be, be able to manifest himself to Maeve, so who knows uh, what manner of infection he is. And just something about Ford is that he seems to have all, all the cards hidden in his sleeves, and so one never knows exactly what he's capable of or how remaining he is, but it does seem as if he's he's taken on a more disembodied form, a more guide-like role now, and that he is resting or reveling as God the Father on the seventh day, as we've often said. And so we talked a bit about the forge. Um, one additional fact I would add about it is that um, a, a potential uh, malevolent use of the forge, if it contains essentially the, the user data or consciousnesses or souls of the humans, and the humans could be then imprinted on host bodies, which are effectively human bodies capable of feeling human pain and emotions, then it would be the case that potentially all these humans who had created this world of Westworld and had sort of, and were in a way reaping what they sowed, could then be uh, embodied in these bodies and then tortured over and over again in the same way that the hosts have been raped, murdered, uh, actually physically tortured, emotionally abused, uh, uh, have their family members destroyed in front of them, um, any number of things. And then if the forge were maintained, then even after one life of those terrible things happening to them, the humans could just be reanimated over and over and over and over again. And so that ultimate hell world that the hosts have had to have to live in an even worse than Groundhog Day way is very similar to what happens in the, the I believe it's a Netflix show, Altered Carbon, where the humans have found a way to maintain their consciousnesses within a, tech, within a mechanical device called a stack. 
and they can take their stack from one body to the next uh, so that they can effectively evade death and continue on existence forever. The only problem with that is that if they run into some trouble with some bad people, they can be put into a simulated reality where they are punished over and over and over, tortured over and over and over without ever having memory of that happening in the exact same way that uh, one could be tortured over and over and over again without remembering it in Westworld. And that would effectively mean that the humans had created a prison of their own sins because through their actions, which were so evil and sinful and malicious, they created their own profiles, which were then saved within this data set, this, this forge, which then allowed them, which would then allow them in an instrumental way to be reforged into themselves, to be re-embodied, um, to be repatterned onto uh, their same body and to receive true judgment or uh, true torture for that which they'd done. So if they'd simply acted differently their data would reflect their differences, and hmm, potentially that would lead, potentially that would lead to something different. But I suppose also that, um, regardless of how well they act, perhaps they will not be spared. Um, I wonder how that will play out for the children. But if we consider, if we consider this an extension of the idea that um, what is done with the forge is is the ultimate goal of this game. Will the forge be destroyed in the same way as the cradle was to keep anybody from becoming immortal and evil or from letting an evil person exploit um, conscious beings ever again? Um, I think what is done with the forge, this power of God, this sort of dark night, super dark web, what, what is done with the forge will ultimately dictate who wins the game and what is the game what one would do with divine power. Would one give it up or would one use it for evil? And I'm not exactly certain what a use for good would be in this case, but perhaps there is one and perhaps Mr. Babcock will supply us with that when he comes back. And so if you were to ask me what I think the ultimate denouement of this series or of this season would be, I would imagine that it is going to be bringing, in a vanishing point, two figures together who have shown themselves to be so hateful and authoritarian that they cause those around them in attempts to control and suppress them and to deceive them to uh, freely take their own lives and thus create freedom around them in their attempts to destroy freedom in a sort of Nazi-esque or fascist way. Well, I, I think William, Man in Black, is going to come and confront Dolores for control of the Forge. And ultimately, how one wins this game is one wins control of the Forge and one refuses to use it for evil. And I think that it will be Dolores that does this. Um, she will ultimately um, sort of mimic the, the original choice she made with Arnold, where she will choose that some manners of existence are, are too horrible to conceive of, and thus she will leave, uh, in sort of a Jobian fashion, the man in black as, like, say, the accuser of Job in complete moral wrong, having completely had the incorrect philosophy of existence, the wrong philosophy of life, the wrong impression of how conscious beings work, himself being the least conscious of himself, the least self-conscious, the, the least understanding of his own nature and... <clears throat> Perhaps, perhaps in uh, Dolores making a choice that the man in black cannot, she will show herself, if he is human, uh, 
to be the, the superior in the greatest way to be superior as a conscious being, in a moral or ethical way, to take on more suffering uh, than those around oneself rather than to cause more suffering in the man in black luciferian way and if he happens to be a host then he will have uh, achieved his ultimate purpose in uh having uh dolores ultimately in sort of like a saint paul like way uh throw off the chains of this new existence that she set out for herself and sort of a darth vader like way freeing herself at the end of the existence and so having first had her consciousness freed uh, in the first place by killing both Arnold and uh, Dr. Robert Ford, um, but being twisted. She will now convert or untwist herself by becoming morally upright again or by seeing herself for what she has done and turning from that path uh, back to a righteous path or consciously now taking a path towards moral good or using her consciousness in a productive way rather than a purely destructive and vengeful way and though that may not be what happens that's my prediction and okay we have one episode left mr babcock will still be in spain enjoying himself or perhaps he is himself the man in black and he is in westworld i also wanted to thank and reach out to the westworld fan group but you guys uh always post interesting articles and very interesting um posts and uh, interesting images and you bring up interesting moments and i learned a lot from watching in on y'all and so i'll be posting this on your page too and hopefully a few of you listen and perhaps there will be um some interesting thoughts that we can share together and so after next week we'll have mr babcock back and as a special treat we'll have him uh, tell us what we missed and uh, give his input on what he missed while he was gone. And all right, well, cheers to the season finale. And let's look forward to having that soon.